0: minehead baptist church sermon podcast for sunday the 30th of april 2023 hello and welcome thank you once again for joining me my name's james and i'm the web guy here at nbc this week paul's continuing our series looking at the power of god with the power of forgiveness the reading is matthew chapter 18 verses 21 to 35 so let's go and join paul as he's introducing the service
1: and i know some of you have said to me what are you doing here that's a good question <laughs> um <laughs> And I know the way you meant it as well, because on our notices, you would have been expecting to see Richard here this morning, and he's not here, I am here. And you're going to find a little bit about that in a while as we do our notices, because there are no other notices but the notices in our notice sheet this week. Just to emphasise something and remind you of something, that is a week on Monday, which is the additional bank holiday we have because of the coronation, we're going to celebrate the Hub's 10th anniversary. It's 10 years. It's crazy really, isn't it? It's 10 years since the Hub uh, came into existence. Uh, And we're going to do it in a way we thought was very Hubbish. Can you be (laughs) (laughs) Hubbish? Yeah, I think so. Uh, And so what we're going to do is at 10 o'clock, we're going to gather for a Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving service at the Hub. And if you are in the overspill, You'll be blessed in making us all coffee in the coffee shop. But you get my drift, don't you? I'm going to gather together, as many of us as possible, for a short service just to thank God for what he has done in and through the hub. That's only going to be about half an hour. It'll be followed by some coffee and some cake. Uh, This is a bank holiday after all. Uh, And then some soft play and crafts from 11.30 to 2.30 for our younger friends in the community and within the church. You're all welcome. If you want to go on the soft play, you're probably best off ringing Luke and booking a slot, though, because we think the numbers could be relatively high. But if you are smaller than than, than your average and you're going to use the soft play from 11:30 onwards, we'll be we we'll um, uh, giving uh, uh, sorry, we'll be having party refreshments. Now I have no idea what that means, okay? But nonetheless, it's a morning where you can come and celebrate the hub and eat. And be together. And I will pray good money for certain people to go on the soft play. (laughs) But we're going to have fun. And moreover, we're going to say to the Lord, Lord, this is an amazing thing. But what about the next 10 years? What do you want to do, Lord? This is also the time when we kick off that process, dear church, of us together discerning what the Lord has to say to us. And then there are two other notices. One for prayer. We're just going to pray in a minute for this. It's to say, you know, just because some of us are going to do that as part of the coronation celebrations, others are going to do posher things. How about that then? And by that I mean that Sheila and Debbie this Tuesday are travelling to London because they're going to go, wait for this, to the coronation garden party on Wednesday at Buckingham Palace. How posh is that? (laughs) Eh? I don't want to say... I'm sure, Debbie, you've already got your frock sorted and your hat sorted and your shoes sorted. I'm sure it's all in order. But I've been asked if this morning we could just thank God for the reality that they would have a a good journey, but also that this would be part of that recognition of the Hope Centre, of what it has done and the part it has played in our community to the lonely and the vulnerable and the dispossessed and those that would have no other avenue of being among family. So let's give God the thanks for that and pray that their journey would be good. Father God, we thank you for the work of the Hope Centre over these past dozen years. Lord, we thank you for the people that have come, that have been helped, those that have, Lord, found such a home here, where they never thought a home was possible. We thank you, Lord. We were thrilled, Lord, to learn of that recognition from the Queen as she gave the award for voluntary services to the hub here. Lord, we want to thank you that we too, in our own small way, with Debbie and Sheila, can be part of the celebrations of the coronation of a king. Because we have the king above all kings. And so we pray to you, our Lord, our Father, our King, that their travel would be safe, that the arrangements would be good, they leave nothing behind, that they would be wonderful ambassadors and representatives, Lord. But above all, Lord, that they would enjoy. And that when, and I pray they do, get to shake the new king's hand, there will be a sense of them representing the king of kings. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. There's one other person we're going to pray for. If those of you that have come, because you thought, oh good, Paul's not preaching this morning, it's Richard, which I guess is most... <laughs> Okay, if you're looking up here, it's not Richard Day, it's me. And the reason is because Richard uh, this morning has gone to another church to preach with a peep. Um, Part of his journey of exploration as to what God's up to in his life. I can't tell you where, we wouldn't want to put that online. But by the by, I did say to Richard that we would stop for a moment and pray for him and pray for this church in that discerning process. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that you have called Richard to be a minister of the gospel. And I pray this morning, Lord, as he preaches with a peep, as he and the church he's at, seek whether this is right unto God to pursue further, whether his ministry will continue there. I pray, Lord, that there will be a real sense of spiritual discernment for him and for them, and that your grace would shine through. I pray you'd steady his nerves, calm his fears, May he let loose the spirit of God. And may that discernment process, Lord, be ours to join with him in prayer when he comes back, when he shares the result, and when we ask, where now, Lord, for him. Bless Richard, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Friends, it's good to be here. Good to worship with you this morning, Roy.
2: Amen. Amen. Um, I
1: see we've gone for the whole. We're going into the sort of folk club look with the guitar and the and the
2: stool and all that this morning. Uh, but back... hey, we can worship God however, my friend. Yeah, it takes me back to the 70s, uh, or, the, or should I say Sixties? the 60s? Yeah. <laughs> oh dear, dear. Who are you kidding? Right. As we as we sing our first song, we're going to take up our offering. Um, for those visitors among us, don't feel compelled You don't have to give If you want to give, that's, you'll bless us But you don't have to This is for the work of this church But we're going to stand and sing And we're going to sing a song I was just thinking this morning From our bedroom window I can wake up in the morning and look out And see this magnificent oak tree Just across the road And whatever time of year it is It's beautiful It just is magnificent It screams God's creation yes. to me at the moment is just coming into leaf, and it is glorious and I just every day I thank the Lord for that tree which is just so beautiful, just such a display of God's glory. Let's stand and sing Looking in the Sky. <laughs> choice as for me and my house we will serve you lord we will not bow to the gods of men and we pray heavenly father as the children sorry Paul.
1: i've just got one bit of family oh, news because i forgot not... to give it to you earlier or rather i didn't know about it till i'd given you the family news here's the good bit of news okay those of you that know william and abigail they had a baby girl on monday just gone um, okay. i am told bless you yeah hallelujah for that i'm told that both are doing well if you want to know details of when where, wait. Name which I can't quite recall. Sorry, please ask Lydia and she'll give you
2: all the details. But I thought it would be good to share that as family news amen, before we pray amen. for our young people. Rob. Amen, amen. Yeah, we're going to pray for the youngsters. Thank you. Thank you for the youngsters for taking the offering this morning. I hope you haven't just taken it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I, sorry, I see it. It's there. Sorry, right. right. Not that I don't trust you. Um, <laughs> but bless, bless you. And as the children leave, I think, who's, who's, Tommy, are, are you the Pied Piper this morning? Follow Tommy. Anybody under the age of whatever it is? I can't remember. 18. Oh. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for blessing us with so many young lives in our church. And I pray that as we've just sung, as for me in my house, we will serve you, Lord. I pray today, Lord, that some of the youngsters will, will make that same decision, decision to serve the Lord. We thank you for them and pray you bless them, bless the teachers, the helpers, Lord. Thank you for the wonderful work that's that's going on. So it's a sense of loss when you see all the all these great holes appearing in the church. But we do thank you, Lord. Oh, yeah. thank you. Thank you. We're going to sing again. Don't feel you have to stand for this. It's uh, um, but it's the power of forgiveness, and to, we, we know that we've all been forgiven by the power of the power of the Lord through the sacrifice of Jesus. We're going to we're going to use this uh, maybe as a prayer. God of grace, I turn my face to you. I cannot hide. <laughs> You know, Jenny and I lead the Open Doors Pro Group uh, on the third Friday of every month. And um, next, next month, we have, uh, we've got the opportunity to go to the uh, uh, regional day at Lee Abbey. Um, it's lovely. So many people are coming from the group. And it's a chance to hear firsthand of uh, things that are happening in the persecuted church. You know, it's amazing when I realize how many churches in the U.K. do not know about persecuted Christians. It's actually staggering So if you don't know if you do, And you want to know more Jenny will be That's Jenny behind the, On the pink scarf She'll be in the vestibule She's got some prayer, new prayer diaries and magazines um, But we're going to watch a video uh, We used with our, a couple a week ago um, uh, It contains some real footage But it's a poem It's a poem based on the Beatitudes So it's uh, Just listen to this, and importantly, when it finishes, watch the words appear on the screen.
3: Blessed are the risk takers, the rebels and the rule breakers. Blessed are the grieving and the broken. Blessed are the brave and the outspoken. Blessed are the hidden and disguised who watch their words, guard their footsteps and fear for their lives. Blessed are those in prison for their faith. And blessed are those who are spied on by the state. Blessed are the lied about and cheated, the unjustly accused, the abused, and the mistreated. Blessed are those who flee when they want to stay. And blessed are those who remain when they could run away. Blessed are the refugee and the displaced, the exiled and excluded, the shamed and the disgraced. Blessed are those who worship in secret who whisper their songs, hide their Bibles, forgive those who do them wrong, and blessed are those who are scared but choose to follow just the same. And blessed are those who are persecuted in Jesus' name. Blessed are the risk-takers, the rebels and the rule-breakers. And blessed are those who have nothing but prayer. For God is always with them, and the kingdom is theirs.
2: I take it you're not one of the seven. Wendy, are you going to, Wendy's a member of our Open Doors prayer group and she's going to come and lead us in some prayers of intercession.
0: Lord, we just want to stand before you right now, just as those pictures that we've just seen, Father. We just want to thank you that you are with your people, Father, and that you are helping them right now, Father. And we want to commit all of them, Father, to you. Father, we're just amazed how they're able to stand and worship you. Just amazed how the Holy Spirit works through them to reach others, Lord. We just commit them to you now, in Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to approach your throne of grace together. We have so many needs in this country. But first of all, we would like to thank you for the many answered prayers we have all received. Father, thank you that Janice is here this morning. That Anne's been able to come, Father. For all those that have been sick this last week, Father, that are now in church today. For Tricia, who's here today. All these people that we know have had answered prayer this week. Thank you for bringing Paul and Lorraine home safely to us, Lord. Thank you for the church family. We ask that you spread your protection over the persecuted church family that those who love your name may rejoice in you. When you respond to persecution with forgiveness, even your persecutors soften towards you, says a pastor in Mexico who suffered very severe persecution. But he says, if we forgive, it makes such a difference to the kingdom of God. We want to ask you to bless this pastor in Mexico. Father, your word says to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. So we thank you, Lord, for the celebration of 75 years for the people living in the promised land. For your faithfulness in fulfilling your promise to gather the Jewish people from the four corners of the world and bring them home to the land that the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob promised them. You are a covenant-keeping God. You have used the war between Ukraine and Russia to bring many Jews back to the land. May they continue to respond to your call. Thank you for all the Jews and Arabs who worship together and pray for the land. Father, we pray for the street and school pastors as they meet at Porlock Church today to talk about the vision for this work that our Lord has given them. The fields are white unto harvest, but the labourers are few. Father, will you encourage people to respond? We again bring Richard to you as he goes to preach with a view that he will know your leading and guiding. And if he's feeling at all nervous now, Lord, we just ask that you will pour out your peace upon him. Thank you, Church, for all the prayers that you have given up to the Lord for Tracy. She says she feels the prayers. We ask, Lord, for complete healing for her, that her leg will remain free of infection. Thank you that the doctors have already been amazed by what is happening for her. We bring Marion, Patrick, Joshua, and Georgia to you, the family. They need your supernatural strength and peace as they care for each other and for Tracy. We ask for salvation for this dear family. We bring all the details of the coronation to you. May the royal family know your presence at this time. May they remember the Queen's faith in you and in all it meant to her. We ask for reconciliation between brothers. Finally, Lord, we pray for Pippa and Toby in Nepal as they wait for a decision about their future there. Life is so uncertain for everyone, so much change. Thank you, Lord, that you do not change. Those who seek the Lord can move ahead confident in what they know is right and important in God's eyes. They know that God will keep them from being moved off his chosen path. We remember again what your word says. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and heal their land. Lord Jesus, will you take these prayers to the Father and let your will be done. So, Lord, we thank you that we've been able to come. We know that there are so many more prayers that we want to give to you, Lord, but we thank you that we believe, Lord, that you know our hearts and you know our lives, Lord, and you want the very best for this church, Father. So we commit the church to you. We just pray for the children now as they play together, as Tommy teaches them, Lord, as they have a good time together, Father. They'll love one another. And as they go out into the community, Lord, that they will take the gospel of Jesus Christ to those in desperate need, Father. And we thank you so much for being here with us this morning. We tell you that we love you, that we want to be a church that's on fire for you, Will you revive us, Father, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
4: Matthew. We're going to read from Matthew chapter 18. And we're going to start at verse 21. The parable of the unmerciful servant. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but seventy-seven times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him ten thousand talents was brought to him since he was not able to pay the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had to be sold to repay the debt the servant fell on his knees before him be patient with me he begged I will pay back everything the servant's master took pity on him Cancel the debt and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants (coughs) who owed him a hundred denarii, grabbed him, (coughs) excuse me, and choked him. Pay back (laughs) what you owe, he demanded. Pay back. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me. I will pay you back. <clears throat> but he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went out and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I cancelled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each one of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart.
1: Forgive us Joe that we laughed when you got to that bit that said (laughs) you're going to choke. Can someone do me a favour? Can someone go and get Joe some water? Because I can kind of still hear the fact that tickle was affecting you. Yeah. Friends, as challenging as it may seem, and it is challenging, Christians are called to place no limitations on their forgiveness of others particularly on our forgiveness of a brother and sister in Christ. After all, the passage we've just read starts by Peter asking, how many times must I forgive my brother? Now if you're Peter, you're standing there with Andrew, your brother. So did Peter mean, how many times must I forgive Andrew? I don't think so. Because surely that would be a little bit pointed, wouldn't it? and in itself in need of forgiveness i guess but in christ according to paul we are all brothers and sisters in christ or 1 corinthians 1 verse 10 says this i appeal to you brothers in the name of the lord jesus christ that all of you agree with one another and who is paul writing to to the church How many times must I forgive my brother, Peter starts. In essence, how many times must you and I forgive each other? Now at the time of Jesus, according to some ancient texts, when rabbis were asked by their students, how many times must I forgive? They were replied and the students were told up to three times. So Peter must have felt quite chuffed with himself, mustn't he? Okay, if a rabbi normally sets three, I'll set the bar high. I'll go with seven. Surely Jesus will be happy with that. Surely he'll congratulate me. So he says to Jesus seven times, and incidentally, this is not a number chosen at random. After all, God created the universe in seven days, didn't he? And therefore, this is a so-called perfect number. But there again, neither is the number Jesus replies to Peter, chosen at random either. Some Gospels say 77 times, as in Matthew's Gospel. Others, 70 times 7. But either way round, in Jewish numerology of the time, it was indicative of something. It was indicative of infinity. And those two numbers can be found, actually, in Genesis chapter 4, in verses 15 and 24. And if you read them, you'll see. The kind of connection. So Peter asks, Lord, should I forgive my brother perfectly and then I need not bother to forgive him anymore? And Jesus replies, not just perfectly, but infinitely. That's some asking of forgiveness for us all, isn't it? As I was thinking of this morning, I thought, well, who's the person in church that needs most forgiving?" I came to a conclusion, me so you're off the hook, I hope that's okay because me, I'm the one I need your forgiveness the number of times you've sent me emails and I've grumbled, and I have even if you've never known it the number of times I've gone oh lord, not them on the phone again (laughs) you can work it out me, I'm the one Jesus says, Paul, brackets, insert your own name, close brackets. Don't just forgive perfectly, but infinitely. Why? Because, friends, Jesus has forgiven you perfectly and infinitely. If you know this morning Jesus as your Lord and Saviour, then you have been forgiven both perfectly and infinitely and I thought we might get a hallelujah. hallelujah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, I realised you was supposed to be Richard and I'm the, I'm the substitute, but you know what I mean. But the forgiveness of sin, let's agree something. Jesus forgave you your sins perfectly, infinitely, and it came with a cost. Do we all agree? The cost of the cross, my friends. It cost him his life. And this parable reminds us of something, that the forgiveness of one another, you to me and me to you, will cost us something as well. It's not as if forgiveness is an uncostly process. But we are called to pay the cost, to forgive, to pass it on. When this church... When you and I learn to forgive each other that deeply and with that much compassion, then we will know and this place will be filled with the power of forgiveness. A power that is so attractive that no other power on earth could deny it. You see, here's the deal. The world tries to explain away what happens here. So we pray for Tracy. We prayed earlier for us. Her, several people, me included, and me and Lorraine this week included, have been praying for that outcome. So we pray for her. She's left at the roadside. The outcome's bad. The leg's in danger. We pray. The doctors managed to save the leg. We pray. And we pray two things. We pray that she will be well again and there will be no infection. And despite finding dead tissue, which is what actually happened from a medical perspective, the leg is good. There is no infection. And we go, Hallelujah, aren't the doctors great? No, Hallelujah, isn't our God great? That's the point. And we heard before, she has felt the prayers and the power of the prayers of this church. And we're praying that she will come to know the Lord. And she will come to know the Lord. Think of the power of prayer. And the world goes, Aren't the doctors skilled? see you can dismiss healing as something else or we prophesy lord bring the walls of this church down and let's imagine in a year's time hallelujah we look and we say that's what we meant someone will say well if you prophesy enough statistical randomness means that some will happen there's a challenge with that says the man that did statistics at college and the challenge is that God's Great authority and prophetic word beats every statistical model I know of. But nonetheless, it can be statistically thought of. One thing the world cannot deny is the power that happens when you and I forgive each other. Truly, deeply, honestly forgive each other, and we love each other. There are some unlovable characters in this church. Thank you. <laughs> I know that for sure because I did my own piece of examination. Who's the most unlovable? Guess what? Thank you. <laughs> or at least, I mean, I hope, thank you, sister. I mean, I kind of hope. <laughs> but you see, the truth is when you love me and forgive me as the Lord loves and forgives, the world has no equivalent. So it sees that and it goes, that's attractive want to bring the walls of the church down forgive love why because the power of forgiveness is unquestionable and undeniable and many will come and see what the lord is doing but as a warning we have an enemy friends and the enemy will try and stop us if he can and how is he going to stop us well he's going to do something profound if he's able Because he's going to feed you a lie. That whatever brother and sister you need to forgive, that they're beyond somehow redemption. That what they did, no matter what it was, whatever it was, is beyond the realms of you forgiving them. And that whatever that was, it's unacceptable to ask you to forgive in the first place. But those are all lies. Because we're called by the Lord to forgive. And it makes forgiving something amazing. It's not about how you feel. It's an act of the grace of God. An act of you forgiving in grace. An act of will. I've got to tell you, this is a true story, okay? So uh, please bear with me. But the self-help industry is a multi-billion pound business. Did you know that? you only got to Google it or go online to see the latest guru telling you something. You know, the way to sort of heal your toe is to dip it in green ink or something. Bizarre normally. I can't tell you how much money the company I worked in and for before I became a minister used to spend on that kind of self help. I can't tell you because I can't tell you because I'm bound by confidentiality, but suffice to say, every year it would be in the millions. Why? Well, of course, the company had goals to achieve. And if you could help each individual achieve their goal, then maybe together you could achieve the company's goal. Do you get the logic? That's That's the logic. Since I was in charge of the sales force, you try and motivate your sales force. I remember one sales motivational team course I went on. I was talking to Lorraine about it this week. We were in this hotel and it was so amazing to see these bods, that, I'm going to call them that for want of a better word, going into their self-motivational sessions, giving, people giving rah-rah-rah talks. How do I know that? Forgive me, hotel, because I peaked. <laughs> and the truth is, that's the deal, isn't it? This sort of self-help motivation. Anyway, I was once at one of these courses and it was about overcoming fear. How do we overcome fear? So, the expert leading the course had me stand in front of the room facing the youngest, newest member of the sales team. So, in essence, this guy was facing his boss's boss's boss. boss. Got that? And he gave him an arrow, but a real proper used in archery in the Olympics arrow, right? And he took his hand, he said, hold on to the arrow up near the feather bit. And he took his hand and he placed the arrow there. right The tip of the arrow. And then he said this to him, and please do not do this at home. He said, now push. With all your might, push. Now I will admit something, I will admit at that point I was feeling worried. But I've got to tell you, if it's set up correctly, the arrow will not hurt you. It will break before it hurts you. Sounds horrific, but it was set up to overcome fear. There are millions of people in this world that are going, that's one of the crazy schemes, please, please don't try it at home, I don't want to be sued. One of the crazy schemes of people that are willing to shelve out a significant amount of cash. I couldn't find out a figure for the UK industry, but I can tell you in America it's over 10 billion pounds a year that's spent on this. And so they go, and we try and find things, and they go and they develop seven habits of good whatever it is, or spend 21 days thinking and meditating towards, or they become polar bears. And yes, I still have the book at home from the course I went on entitled, and I quote, Polar Bear Pirates and Their Quest to Engage Sleepwalkers. (laughs) It's an actual book. It actually exists. And it was a course I went on. Um, If you want to know what it's all about, speak to me later. Take five steps, walk on burning coals, sit in sweat lodges in order to try and achieve goals. Friends, the challenge is that some people take Christianity as that sort of self-improvement plan. Okay? If only we did this, if only we did something for 21 days, if only we did it, if only we did it. Accept Jesus as your Lord and Saviour and all your problems are solved. It's not my experience. God will empower you to be all you want to be. In Great Britain, being all we want to be usually means being successful and affluent, doesn't it? Being all we want to be, we tell our children, if only you work hard enough, improve yourself enough, then you can achieve whatever you want and you'll find success in the achieving. I was in a high-powered job. I've got to tell you, I have lost count the number of times I have seen people, not just Christians, but non-Christians as well, climb to the top of the ladder, peer over the wall, and then discover the ladder's against the wrong wall. God, though, wants more from you, for you, than you do yourself. He doesn't want us merely to be successful, but he wants us to live lives of significance. That's my question to you. Do you want to become significant? Not so that we've opulent... But so we're obedient. That's the parable of the unforgiving servant. So let's be honest. The sort of love Jesus is talking about is tough love, isn't it? Not love on tough, not love that's just tough on those that need to be forgiven, but tough on those that are forgiving. Jesus makes it quite clear. Do you remember his commandment? This is my commandment that you love one another. It's unequivocal and it leaves us no gap. One expression of love, friends, is forgiveness. Throughout his ministry, he forgave. Father, forgive them, even from the cross. Confronts you and me, says love and forgive. And then I realised in my own look at this, in my own search... That there are a few of us, and I include myself in here, who try and excuse lack of love and explain that we can't forgive for this reason or that reason, but this passage doesn't let us off the hook at all. I had to look deep into myself to say, yes, we can, but sometimes we just don't want to forgive. We have an ability to forgive because we are forgiven. The king in this story forgave the servant's debt. He didn't just forgive a little, he gave a lot, forgave the whole debt. There's nothing left of it, is there? Nothing left after the king's forgiveness of this debt. The servant was entirely free. You, I, we are completely free. There's the good news of the morning. If you know Jesus Christ, then you are no longer a debtor. Nothing stands in the way of your relationship with God if you acknowledge that he wholly paid the debt for you. And forgiveness is one of Christ's hallmark for authentic church life. An act of will. I will forgive even when it feels like I can't. And that type of forgiveness presents me, protects me, protects you against resentment and anger and bitterness and dislike. And even hatred at its core this is a parable about grace the debtor before the king makes a plea a plea he had no right to make and even if he did no right to expect the king would respond in the way he did the debts incalculable no way out this is going to have consequences for him for his wife for his children Yet despite all expectation the king sets him free. That's amazing, astonishing grace. It's the same grace that I experienced to him when in him when I turned to him and gave him my sin. It's the grace that's on offer to you. And then as he's faced with this kneeling before him, the words in verse twenty six of the servant, be patient with me, and I will pay back everything. Is kind of pitiful compared to the debt he owes. And let's be honest, it's our threadbare excuses too, isn't it? I, I tell you what, Lord, I'll come to church more. Surely that will do. No, it won't. The debt we owe is phenomenal. The debt that in my case I ask you to ponder for you is so vast that it piles up day by day, moment by moment. And God says, I release you. What about you? Okay, we've been forgiven, but let's be blunt. Having been forgiven as the servant was, we often act like the servant and fail to forgive. We perceive that the sin towards us is greater than our sin toward God. That's how come I stand here today and say if ever you have had a sharp email from me or I've been less than gracious to you when you've been on the phone or been distracted when we've been talking, please forgive. If you go and you do a bit of Bible study about this passage, what you discover is that most motivators point out something. They say that the servant's response and action was probably not motivated by money but motivated by power. Having to ask the king to forgive his debt took away his power. So he wanted to regain it and he wanted to demonstrate that people were in debt to him. So he's been forgiven because he's had to admit power's been taken. But then he exercises power. I have power over There's a hard truth there about humanity. It's this. We, you, I, like to exercise power over others. We convince ourselves, or at least I can, that by not forgiving them we can cause them pain or suffering or regret. And we wrap it up by excusing the course of actions by using phrases like, they'll come to their senses eventually. Jesus' call is not for us to attempt to use power we don't have, but to rely on the power we do have, his power to forgive and to be set free. Which means, and we're going to do this in a while, that the path to truly forgive someone is to stand before the cross ourselves and in repentance accept the price paid for our sins. Loved and loving, forgiven and forgiven, then we experience the life that God desires for us. Let me be clear about something, however, before we do that. When we forgive our brothers and sisters in Christ, we are not responsible for their reaction. They are. The king was not responsible for the reaction, was he? Think of it logically. He forgave this servant. It wasn't him that drove the servant out to then bully someone else about their debt. That was his choice. We're not responsible for that. We are responsible for the forgiving. Neither are we responsible for how others respond to our act of forgiveness. They are. But what we are responsible for is to root out the resentment in our hearts and take it to the cross. Now I know this to be powerful. How do I know it to be powerful? Well... From a real live story of a previous existence, a previous church when I got there, and there was, there was war. We might call it soup wars. Lorraine knows what I mean. Don't worry. But there were these two rival factions that looked after the soups. Neither would speak to each other. What a powerful, wonderful, awesome day. When I turned up one day and they decided this was silly, God had asked them to forgive each other. And these two ladies stood in this kitchen, crying and hugging. Can't tell you, still emotional, can't tell you how much power that released into the church. Awesome, God-filled, Holy Spirit power. Incidentally, just to let you know, it was soon thereafter that they stopped the soups. And started something else. Together. The last I knew what they started had got a waiting list. Holy Spirit power. Or if you want scripture, if you're a good old scripture, go on Paul, prove it. Well look at the church in Acts. The church formed soon after the events of Holy Week. According to Acts 1.14 it says they're all of one accord according to acts 2:12 it says they are praying together in one place according to acts 4:32 it says they're of one heart and one soul yet this church had faced potential problems peter's denied christ 3 times thomas has doubted the resurrection the women have gone to the tomb and done the work of undertakers and yet despite it all according to acts chapter 17 verse 6 their love enabled them to forgive and shake the world do you want to do that this morning? Do you want to shake mine head? Because yes. that's what was on offer in this life of love and forgiveness that we sh- that we share with others. Let's invite all to this experience. And I look at myself again. And can I do? I ask you a favour. Because I'm the pastor, can you just assume that I'm not talking to someone about where I need to go with them and ask them this afterwards? But I'll do the same for you. And we'll respect each other's space within this space. And I've stood here many times saying, let's bring the walls down. I've been told off by Ava and Ollie for tapping down the walls, quite rightly so. Don't do it again, Paul. <laughs> That's another telling off. But you get my drift, in reality, these walls need to come down. And I believe, if, if you do not, the Sovereign Lord wants to bring the walls of this church down. The walls that divide us from the community, the walls that divide us in our own lives from one another. And indeed from him. And that does include the walls of unforgiveness in our life. And so this morning is an invitation for us to take the walls of unforgiveness down to release the power of forgiveness in the church and to experience a life of love and forgiveness. I'll remember those two old ladies until the day I die, I think. Before that moment, if you'd have said to to one of them about the other, oh yeah, they're terrible. After that moment, if you attacked one, you attacked them both. It was an amazing thing to see, a cleansing thing to see. A forgiving thing to see. A loving thing to see. I invite you this morning to come with me. To experience afresh a life of love and forgiveness. And to be released afresh into a life of significance and obedience. Let's pray. I want to give you just a a minute or so. Just to come quietly before the Lord. He is your Lord. He knows your heart. Bring to him the prayers that you would bring this morning. Father, I pray for the Spirit's prompting in our prayers. That you, Lord, by the grace that you have poured into this world, would bring us once again to the cross. And once more, in acceptance of repentance, we would know and acknowledge the price of that's been paid for our sins the enormous debt we have been released from and as we stand and acknowledge that reality release us from our debts and our sins we pray Just as that unmerciful servant will free from the king's throne room, so this morning may we be free. And may we learn well the lesson of the unforgiving debtor and use our newfound freedom to forgive others. Acknowledging, Lord, that it is not ours. To understand or know sometimes even the why. But that you ask that we are forgiving towards each other. In this moment Lord, in the life of this church, be glorified. The Lord has spoken to you this morning without standing up, without movement, without action. So this is a moment just between you and your Lord. I invite you to respond in your heart. Father God, forgiveness is powerful when we start by bringing ourselves to you, acknowledging our debt that has been repaid and our need both to forgive and be forgiven by others. May the walls that divide us one from another within this community, the walls in our own life, That divide us from you and indeed from each other. And the wall of unforgiveness that divides us from our community. May it come down by the power and the grace and the majesty of the Holy Spirit. And may you Lord in all things and in every way be glorified in our lives. To you be the power, the honor and the glory, world without end. Amen. I invite Roy to and Jenny and the group to come back and lead us. Um, how is forgiveness ultimately possible? because friends, I believe in Jesus. It's only in him that it's possible, and I want to invite Roy, as I say and the group. To let us remind us of that reality now.
2: Yeah, let's let's stand and sing this this song of affirmation uh, that I believe is here now, with the grace to forgive. <laughs>
1: be seated there are lots of scriptures you could go to that point out the power of this awesome thing called forgiveness in reality uh, I've just got a few here but in reality of course scripture we should be unsurprised to learn is got an awful lot to say about the power of forgiveness but one of my favorite ones comes from Romans chapter 4 it's kind of written in, in in the middle of scripture. It's a re- reference back to some other scriptures. But nonetheless, it is a blessing I pray on you. Blessed are they whose transactions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man and woman whose sin the Lord will never count against them. Your sins, friends, have been forgiven, not because I say so, but because he paid the price. And may therefore this week be a blessing to you and to others as you practice the power of forgiveness and find the power for yourself. Father God, I pray for my friends, my brothers and sisters in Christ. And Lord, I pray that in this moment, in this day, in this morning, as we, Lord... Forgive each other and are forgiven. Walls would come tumbling. And the amen may be to your honour and to your glory. Because I believe in your grace. And I believe that you're here. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Talking of that sense of belief, we're going to end with, I've got to say, one of my absolute all-time favourites. Thank you for choosing it, Roy. Thought that you knew this. Because it reminds us, it states the words of the creed. It reminds us of the reality of who Jesus is. And that in the midst of his being is love and forgiveness. He forgave, according to Matthew chapter 9, verses 2 and 8, the paralytic lowered on a mat through the roof. He forgave, according to John 8, 3 to 11, the woman caught in adultery. He forgave, according to Luke 7, verses 47 to 50, the woman who anointed his foot, feet with oil. He forgave, according to John eighteen fifteen to 18, Peter who denied knowing him. He forgave, according to Luke 23, verses 39 to 43, the criminal on the cross. Amen. And He forgave, according to Luke 23, verse 40, 34, the people who crucified Him. Jesus not only spoke about forgiveness, He also forgave. Yes. My prayer friend, go do likewise. Amen. In yes. Jesus' name,
3: Amen.
0: Amen. To leave a comment, please go to slash sermons. Well, thank you once again for listening and I'll speak to you soon.